0: And welcome to another episode of Careering, where we interview fearless females about what makes them tick, both in business and in life. I'm your host, Lori Halter, and I can't wait to have you here in today's episode. Let's jump right in. Hey, Careering listeners, we're on today with Kim Cooper-Findling, who is an author of eight books, including one we're going to talk about today called Bad Mommy, Bad Writer. But in addition to being an author, this amazing woman is also the editor of Ben Magazine and the publisher of Dancing Moon Press. Welcome, Kim. Hi, Lori. I'm so excited to talk about your book. I had the chance to do an advanced reading, and I we were kind of joking before this podcast, like, it is literally everything I like talking about on this show. So I just, I'm so excited to have you on. I am so excited as
1: well. Thank you for having me. You bet.
0: Well, tell me, we've talked a little bit about the impetus for this book. You've written eight books now, which, congratulations, so amazing. And I know you've done, and I've read every single one, by the way. <laughs> and I know a lot of what you've done is more based on, I'm going to say tourism based kind of. So trips to the coast, trips around Bend. So what was it that made you decide that it's time to do a memoir and you know tell me about that process.
1: So you're right I've written a lot of travel books but my very first book was actually a memoir. Okay. Um, it was called Chance of Sun and it was about growing up on the Oregon coast. And during that same era like when I was trying to get my writing career really off the ground and really trying to hoping to publish a book eventually that was a huge dream. I was keeping a blog and the blog was called Blooming Eventually. I and that. I did that for a couple of years and then stopped. It was also the time that my children were really little. I was working from home. I was trying to get my writing career off and running and parenting. And so the blog was a mixture of charting that, trying to be an author journey as well as a lot of stuff about just being a young mother. Yeah. Yeah. And that material, people had suggested that I try to turn it into a book. Yes. And I never could really see it. You know, like my, I feel strongly that even in nonfiction, you don't write a book unless there's a plot arc. There has to be, you know, all of the elements of fiction in nonfiction to make it worth doing. And I could never really see that material to pull it together into a book until last year when the pandemic hit and... Suddenly we were all sheltering in
0: place and (laughs) we had way more time on our hands than we imagined we'd ever have before. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And also sort of, you know, reaching for something inspirational to do, you know, yeah. I opened up that document again, which I had done a number of times and and had always just been like, oh, that's not going to work. And suddenly I could see it
0: just like that. It was, it was crazy. That's awesome. Well, and I love, so it's called, let's talk a little bit about your project. So it's called, as I said, Bad Mommy, Bad Writer. And I have to tell you, I went in to, I got an early copy, which I feel so blessed to get. But I went into thinking this, thinking like, oh, this is so awesome. It's going to be everything we talk about, like trying to get work done while you have two little kids in the house. And it is about that. But as I read through the chapters, it's about so much more, This, this book is about motherhood and hope and heartbreak and the the drudgery of the day to day with little kids and yet still trying to get your dreams on the board so when you look at the end of this and you know you wrote it like you said when your kids were younger because it was blog posts your kids are now both i believe middle school or high school 14 and 16 okay so 14 and 16 but you wrote it when they were about 2 and 4 is yeah. that correct yeah. so when you look at this book what does it mean to you what does it bring out in you Oh, you know, I. It was a blast to dive back
1: in there. You know, I think yeah. that it takes. We're all just hurtling along in our lives, right? You know, right. we're raising kids, and we're and we're doing our careers. And I think you know, having that material to look back on and really sort of feel that time and place. You know, yes. and feel how hard I was working to achieve what I wanted, but also how. Present, I wanted to be in motherhood, you know, and then it's been a decade. So to look and see, oh, wow, I guess that worked. I
0: mean, my, I guess I got that career crazy. (laughs) Yes. I'm getting chills as you're talking because I, I love this idea of like it being a time capsule and a look back in time. I think not enough of us, especially if you're driven like you are, you're going toward the next goal, going toward the next goal, going toward the next goal. And the ability to look back and say, whoa, the things I wanted for myself 15 years ago are actually here and happening now is so powerful. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I love it. Well, and I love the, there's so many things that I can relate to in the book. I mean, tell us maybe one of your, a couple of your favorite stories from, and it's written in week by week increments, which now that I know that it's based on a blog makes more sense. And at the beginning I was kind of like, I love that this is written in week by week because at least for me reading it, it helped explain like time moves very slowly when your kids are young. So I was like, this is so cool. She did this on a week by week basis. So what are kind of some of your favorite stories that you pull out from your book?
1: Well, I think the favorite is the haircut story. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I know this happens to so many parents will be able to relate to this. You know, the kids like unattended for such a brief moment, get a whole pair of, get a hold of a pair of scissors, (laughs) themselves a haircut. Yes. You know, and I know now that this is very, very common, but at the time I was devastated because it really felt to me like the crux of my life at that point. Like I was with the kids at home trying to build this career. No matter what, every minute of every day I had to choose one or the other of those things. Yes. And that meant that I was neglecting the other thing. Yes. And at that exact moment, I was working on edits for my first book that was published eventually. And they, you know, were under the dining room table chopping (laughs) off their hair. And I cried for like a week. I felt so guilty, you know. And I think it's, you know, we're so hard on ourselves. You know, in hindsight, like they were perfectly fine. (laughs) Yes. Everyone was fine. But at the time, it really just felt exactly like the the balancing point that I was living on.
0: Yes, I think. And that's such a great story and such a great way to bring that in. I mean, I've had the pleasure of talking with a number of women since I started the podcast. And I would say the mom guilt surrounding not being able to do enough, whether it's your career, your family, raising the children, keeping it all together. I think the pandemic has brought a new aspect into this for all of us, like being all things for all people. Mm -hmm. And I think there's definitely some clarity. I have teenagers as well, as you know, I have a 13, 15 year old. There's definitely some clarity that comes around getting a little bit outside of that space, especially when they're younger. And like you said, no one died. Everybody was okay. Hair hair was on the floor, but it's all going to be okay. It right. really is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's in the subtitle, you know, writing from home while keeping the kids alive. Like
0: as long as they're alive, everything's fine. Yes. <laughs> Well, and you bring in a lot of your husband into it, which I love it. You call him captain daddy in the book, which is so great. And you, there's so many themes in this book that I just like resonated so deeply with me. You talk about him, you know, talk about a number of different roles. He's working. You have an agreement that within five years, he's going to retire. And that, but just that whole exchange of like, being both parents, being busy, having full-time work and trying to keep the kids alive, Mm -hmm. you know, so how did you guys kind of work through that, especially when the kids were younger? Now that they're teenagers, there's a whole nother set of problems, but when they were little and cutting their hair off under the dining room table, like how was that? How did you divide that between you and your husband?
1: Well, he was away a lot because he was a firefighter and they worked really long shifts, you know, but that was part of the reason that I was home and it was a privilege to be home. I knew that, you know, like I, not everyone has the financial freedom to stay home with the kids. You yes. know? And, I, and yeah. I really appreciated that. And I was very aware of the fact that that was a privilege that I really wanted to take advantage of. But there was also this understanding too, that like that would not be in place forever and that I would need to make some money or get a job eventually, which I wanted to do as well. But I felt very strongly that, Now is my chance to own that for myself, you know, to create the career that I wanted, not just wait and then, oh, I need to go get a job. So I felt a lot of pressure to do those two things kind of simultaneously, you know, like raise the kids and get the career off the ground, you know, and I had a lot of support in that, but I think there was pressure too. Of course, a lot of it self-created. I mean, yes. (laughs) There's a lot of, I think, fear of failure and sort of, you know, pressure on myself in that book, which I think a lot of people can relate to,
0: right? We put so Absolutely. I mean, it's so interesting. My story parallels your own. I, you know, started my own PR agency knowing, and I did it before the kids were born, knowing that I was not a person who was going to be able to give up a career when my kids were born, but also knowing that I wanted to be home for them and be there for them for those big moments. Right. So right. I, th- the other thing I'm coming around to, and you probably see this now and it comes through in your book, is as I've gotten further in my career and my kids are older, the absolute beautiful gift you give, you have two girls too, which is perfect. The beautiful gift you give your children when they see you doing something that lights you up and that you're passionate about. I truly believe beyond the mom guilt, the beauty of showing your children, like following your dreams, no matter what the circumstances is such a wonderful lesson for them.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And I had that same mother. She pursued her PhD when I was in high school and she was, you know, a busy girl, but (laughs) Inspiring to me, you know. It yes. was oh, you can you can do this. You can make your life what you want it to
0: be. Yes. Well, and let's talk quickly about your daughter's has become an author with you. So you're kind of I love the idea of like passing on the torch to your daughter. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about the sixth term and doing that project with your daughter yeah, as well. It was amazing. It's
1: definitely a career highlight for me. We started when she was ten. She said something to me one evening that just like lit up my head and made me think, oh my gosh, we need to write a book together. And it's a it's a teen mystery novel set on the Oregon coast. And we spent a year writing it together. Wow. And then editing it and getting it into print. Eventually, when she was 14, and we book toured
0: and we had oh an absolute blast together. Well, and what a cool way to show her from a very early age. So many lessons. I mean, that she has a voice, that she can succeed. Like, here's how a book tour works. If you want to be an author, you can. Here's how you do it. I remember reading. You guys got a ton of press during that time, too. And I remember reading all the stories and just thinking, this is so awesome that Kim has not only passed down her love of writing books, but is showing her daughter that she can do it at such a young age.
1: It was amazing, and the super cool thing is that my younger daughter has just illustrated a children's book that was is being published under Dancing Moon Press this spring. So she's having a similar experience at the same age, fourteen, and it's wow. still amazing. You know, it's funny, like especially looking back on the times of in this book, yeah, my bad, mommy book. You know, my my kids and my career grew up together; like they were an integral part of it for better or worse. I mean, I wrote about them a ton in the travel writing I've done, you know, they've always just sort of been, been there. And you know, when you're a kid, you know, you don't really see your parents all the time, even though we've had these experiences. But the other day I was with Libby at my office, uh, at the Ben Magazine office, and two of her friends, 16 year olds were there and they were both asking me all of these questions about my career. And, you know, they were really interested in, in writing and, and Libby was sort of looking at me like, and later she said, oh yeah, sometimes I kind of
0: forget you have a
1: cool job.
0: Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I forget you're a person, right? right. Like you're, you're more than just my mom, my weird mom who I'm embarrassed of. Like that's my side as the weird mom they're embarrassed of. you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's beautiful. So we've talked a lot about the funny stories and the wonderful stories and the hard stories about being a mom and having young kids. But there is also a theme of grief throughout the book, which I personally was so honored to read because I don't think we talk about this enough. Like we discuss all the beauty of motherhood, but there's this whole other side. So would you be willing to talk to the listeners about that part of the book? Sure, definitely. Yeah,
1: I had... Lost my first baby when I was six months pregnant. Before obviously, Libby and Maris were born, and I was still really processing that experience when the when my kids were young. You know, it, yes. it was. I'm fascinated by grief personally. You know, I feel like people dismiss it you know everyone kind of just wants it to go away but i mm-hmm. find it to be a really beautiful process in its own way and i think you know going back and looking at this material too helped me see how much that experience defined me and and made me the mother that i was then and the mother that I am now, you know, I think there was definitely a stronger feeling of not taking anything for granted. Yeah. It's also wrapped up in my writing because the first manuscript, the first memoir I'd written was about that experience and that manuscript failed miserably, never went anywhere. And so I was trying to pull that apart too. You know, there was this grief, but also this failure. And so there's a lot, there's a theme in the book about letting go of that first manuscript in order
0: to allow something else in. I'm getting like wave after wave of goosebumps as you're speaking, because I just feel like it's just so powerful what you're saying. And I think there's, but how beautiful that, like you said, you had to let that first manuscript go. And you talk a lot, you talk in the book about it burning in the ashes, you know, and re and re, but how beautiful that, that baby has also come forward in this book that is moving forward. So in a way, all three of your children are represented in this book, which is gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and then in the end, I want to talk quickly about the end chapter. I love, and I don't want to, st- I don't want to take all the stuff, but in the end, you do talk about one of the last chapters is your girls in the pool looking for one another, finding one another and coming together. And so I just think even from the standpoint of grief, like we're talking about. For me, it just so beautifully wrapped up all of the lines of motherhood coming together in your daughters. Like I just, I thought it was such a beautiful way to end the book. thank you. Yeah. Yes. I mean, okay guys, seriously, you have got to go buy this book. It's on pre-order now, correct? Yes. Where can listeners go to pre-order the book? You can
1: check out amazon.com or you can go through dancingmoonpress.com or kimcooperfindling.com. There will be links on all of those locations.
0: I love it. Okay, go get it. One of my favorites. I'm so honored that I got to be one of the first readers. Amazon.com, go find it today. Thank you so much for being on today, Kim. Thank you, Lori.